Howdy, Ags. Welcome to Aggie Growth Hacks, the podcast sponsored by the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M, where we help entrepreneurs improve their business, connect with other ags, and support one another. I'm your host, Greg Martin, Fighting Texas A class of 2001. And I'm your co-host, Chris Hunter, Fighting Texas Aggie class of 1998. Whoop! We got a little story for you, Ags. Jeff Shufflebein, Fighting Texas Aggie class of 2000, is the most aggied out Aggie there is. <laughs> His entrepreneur journey started in high school, grew up while he was at A&M, where he founded the nationally recognized life-saving nonprofit Carpool and lives through his newest venture, Undivided Life. So pass it back and list it up to Jeff as he shares some really good bull. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us on Aggie Growth Hacks today. I am I, I really am really, really, really excited to be able to have this conversation. You and I, I got connected by a mutual friend on LinkedIn probably about six months ago at this point. And really just to hear your story and to see your impact, not only on Texas A&M from 20 years ago, but then to to hear about you starting this new company and the launch and everything that 2023 has brought you, super excited to, to have you on, to share your story and to lift you and your team up. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. I've been bragging to everybody. I'm going on Aggie Growth Hacks. Y'all are doing an awesome job. <laughs> Best compliment so I ever got. One time somebody called me the most aggied out Aggie he'd ever met. And I was like, oh, like, I don't even know what that means, but I want that. So <laughs> yes. let's all just get aggied out in here right, right. now. That's right. <laughs> Can I have a plaque made with that? <laughs> <laughs> There's some stiff competition on this call. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, I don't I don't think you can fit that on a license plate, but that would be awesome. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, Jeff, what do you what do you miss about no longer being a student at AM? Pretty easy to think about some of the traditions and some of the experiences, but I think what I'm gonna tell you will be a little bit of a surprise. And it hits me when I visit the campus how much I feel drawn to Rudder Fountain. And of all things, you're like, wow, Rudder Fountain, there's all these cool traditions. And it's because I realized really early on in my college days, listen, college is about grades, proving you can get them and that you learn something. But I realized for me, it was about meeting people and experiencing life through them and with them and getting bits and pieces of all these people to help form who I was. And, you know, this was the late uh, 90s. I was class of 2000. People had cell phones and they were becoming more popular. They had to carry around the first pretty big bag. And then they came out with that flip phone, the Moto Razor, whatever it was. The Razor. And um, oh yeah, like the coolest, like you were pretty cool if you had that little slick thing in your pocket. But I gave up my cell phone my senior year, which is funny. I'm like running all these organizations and I give up my cell phone, like just turn it in. And I said, I'll be at Rudder Fountain if you need me. And so I would go and sit, you know, if it was raining under the cover, if it was nice, I'd go sit by the fountain. I'd put my feet in there, roll up my my pant legs. And I got to connect with so many people. Or if you wanted to find me, people were like, just go to Rudder Fountain to the point where people would say, well, when did, when is Jeff in class? And that really wasn't that, <laughs> it wasn't that important because I was at Rudder Fountain and that was my class was getting to know so many different people. Well, you, you think about all the different uh, organizations I was involved in or things I've been able to do post my time at Texas A&M. I can bring a lot of it back to having real conversations with people, not being transactional, not being in a hurry, just getting to know these people. And that's a pretty special time in life because I don't know the last time I had the free time to roll up my pant legs and sit next to a fountain. Maybe I'll come and join you and we can have an Aggied out Aggie day in the springtime, you know, weather. There but um, I missed that A&M 
with a diverse set of backgrounds and experiences as people that are ready to be real and to be in a relationship and to help you grow. And there is something that that doesn't even show up in the list of traditions. It's the quality and character that you get to feel that you, again, how do you explain that to somebody else? Like, why do you, why are you Aggies all like this? Because we are. Meet me at Rudder Fountain. You'll see. Wow. I absolutely, absolutely love that. That is so cool. So, Jeff, one of my favorite things about Aggie Growth Hacks is to learn all of our guests' entrepreneurial journeys, right? So, why don't you tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey and, you know, where did it start and how, how did it all begin? And, and really, you know, and we were talking before, how does A&M influence that? I would think I was born an entrepreneur. But you also then have to cultivate something that's like a natural talent that's given to you from God. When I was in high school, I started a band called Nothing Vinyl. And everybody in my high school was wearing our shirts and promoting our gear, but nobody ever heard us play. And so I was like, wait a minute, how am I doing this? <laughs> and I realized it's like entrepreneur mixed with Tom Sawyer. Like, I'm going to convince you to do things that you don't even know you want to do. And through this like trial and error period of my teenage years, I realized like, oh, I could use this for evil, selfish things, or I could become like a good person. <laughs> and I tried both. Okay. <laughs> I, my freshman year, <laughs> my freshman year at AM, I was kind of off the rails, thought that I was invincible, partied a lot, ended up, ended up getting a DWI on Texas Avenue and was completely guilty. Started my sophomore year, pled guilty as soon as I could. And was inspired at a Others Against Drunk Driving Victim Impact Panel to do something that would help people just like me. Like the, the young kid who's probably a decent human who just doesn't have their head screwed on straight and is making a stupid mistake. What's interesting is kind of around the same time, and I don't talk about this very often, I was in a group called Texas Aggies Making Changes. And we wanted to produce a handbook for freshmen that answered all the questions that you had, but you didn't know who to ask. Like, where are the Bible studies? Where are the coffee shops? Who do I ask for this? You know, there's the student handbook. It's great. But like, what's the like resource guide for the, the other stuff? And so I, we were in jeopardy of not launching this product. And I, I can remember going and just getting a few sponsors in town and then telling Dr. Sutherland, the VP of Student Affairs at the time, like, we're going to do this. And he grilled me with questions. I was like, I love this. I feel sharpened by these great people, the business owners and, and the leaders. So when I thought of at this mad victim impact panel, I thought of like, there's got to be a better way. It was November 11th of 98. And I thought of it because I saw a picture of a woman who's, or I saw a picture of her daughter who'd been killed in Bryan, Texas by a drunk driver. And I couldn't figure out the difference between me and the guy who killed her. Literally, the only difference was that God gave me another chance. I didn't kill somebody, but I don't, outside that, I couldn't name it. So knowing that I had that ability to speak things into existence by showing people a vision of the future, the first words out of my mouth when I got back into my car that my friend was driving because I'd lost my license was, we're going to start the best designated driver program in the country. And we're going to need a lot of help. And I started studying, how do you start a student organization at AM? How do you start a 501c3? How would you get cars? insurance, place to run it out of, what are the protocols, what are emergency protocols? And I made that my full-time college focus to the point where my health suffered, my grades suffered, I had some friendships that suffered. And through brute force, luck, and the grace of God, things that should have never happened, and I mean crazy stories, all came together so that in September of 1999, we launched Caring Aggies, our protecting of our lives, carpool, as most people know, at Texas A&M. And within months, it was recognized as the most successful program to reduce drunk driving in a college town and has been that same status for 23 and a half years. And it, listen, I didn't even know what I got right at the time. It was almost like I failed at some things, but a whole bunch of things that had to get right happened just in perfect lineup. 
Well, fast forward in my career, and every time I would look at a situation and hear people that were 20 years older than me debating about how to run an organization or how to launch a nonprofit or whatever, to me, the problems were pure logic. I, I knew, oh, if you just do this, this will fall in place. Or please don't make this mistake. If you say that, you're going to hurt our stakeholders. And as I was looking, I realized, oh, I've been given this very unique opportunity. My 10,000 hours of expertise were crammed into two of the toughest, hardest years of my life as I was finishing out my last, my two senior years of college um, to launch Carpool. So then I realized, well, I can't go back and run Carpool. It's a student organization and a 501c3. Why don't I just apply this to do good in the world? I helped uh, a group of women locally launch the largest home for pregnant, homeless women in Dallas. I hope helped a group of business executives that I partnered with for 11 years launch an electricity advisory firm that became one of the top firms in the nation. It's called Five. I was uh, just left there at the end of 2022. That firm serves Southwest Airlines and the Empire State Building. I mean, it's it's a big, big deal. The work that's being done through that organization to impact people's lives, both on the electricity side, but also in the way that culture was built. And so I've realized through study, prayer, practical application, failures, Culture is really communication and relationships as these pillars. And there's practical things you can do to build up both and play the long game in both. But every single part of it goes back to what did I do at my time during my time in Carpool, Texas A&M to allow people to flourish, to give them agency to, so they can make mistakes and learn and be formed on their own. What things did we say were the absolutes, you know, sacred cows, don't ever change these things, but everything else, you can have the freedom to change it as the culture changes and the needs change. And so my entrepreneur journey has a tremendous kind of amount of benchmarks along the way. And the most recent was on January 1st, 2023, an Aggie partner of mine, Nick Besner, um, turned around and we launched a company called Undivided Life. And we provide strategy and culture consulting, every type of organization. So big, small, private, public, nonprofit, for-profit, because it turns out people are people and organizations are organizations and strategy and culture, they're actually intertwined and interdependent on one another. And when you get them both right, it could be a service, it could be a product, it could be, you know, whatever, a nonprofit service, like it works. You're just using the, the expansive human capital and the multiplicative effect of showing people what's possible instead of them being stuck in that same old pattern of, of false beliefs about what things have to be and have to do it. And that work is supposed to be the place that you have to go to. Work should be a place you get to go to. Well, I'm kind of all over the map here, but maybe you just got a little peek into my brain. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. No, I think that's true. And, and and I love it. But what I also love is that I can hear just how you are applying the hard lessons that you learned throughout that. You know, what what struck me as, as, as you were talking is that as you're building the not only this company, but helping others with their their communication and their relationship and their culture is a sense of empowerment and ju just knowing your story a little bit, that wasn't always the case. And so, no. so how did, how did you transform from everything is running through Jeff because Jeff's the only person that has the, the ability to do this to someone who's like, no, I want to come alongside you, empower you to succeed, empower you to fail and learn. But that, that had to be such a hard lesson. How, how did you really learn that and apply it? Greg, I feel like you might have entered into my brain like this is like a being John Malkovich moment. <laughs> Crazy reference, but like you're you're singing from the sheet of music of the biggest lesson I've probably ever learned. Because Carpool was so complex and I was talking to so many different 
stakeholders in a timed out pattern over a one-year period to launch the organization, I literally not only knew everything, I made sure that I knew everything and that everything went through me for approval. And that if something wasn't being done to my satisfaction or my version of what's right, which is very rarely, that's like a perception thing. It's my version of what's right. I would jump in and take over. Well, it was exhausting. And Carpool began on a Thursday. I worked Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I was jogging from meeting to meeting. I was eating fast food. I barely slept and my body shut down. I ended up actually getting hospitalized on the Sunday night after the first weekend of Carpool's operations to the point where I had lost 20 pounds in a few days. I was hallucinating because I could no longer consume water. My throat is swollen shut. Um, So of course, couldn't eat either and uh, was in a state of almost madness. And so it was like getting his hospital bed, stick fluids in his arm and let's see what happens. And I don't recall what happened for about three days. I do know that when I woke up one time, the vice president of the university was there with my parents and the university took care of my folks and said, you know, anything it takes to get Jeff through this, he's he's saving people's lives. I do know that the police department that had arrested me just a couple of years earlier had flowers next to my bedside, get well soon, the College Station Police Department. I'm like, that is a crazy turn of events. And I woke up one time with a woman pinning an angel on my hospital gown. And she said she was from MAD and that she'd been looking for me on campus at Rudder Fountain and found out that I was here at uh, the hospital. All that to say, by pure necessity, I realized that I went from thinking I was the greatest asset to my organization to realizing I was the biggest liability. So just knowing that I was going to have to graduate or that if I died, that this organization was going to fail. And that would have crushed me from just a spirit somewhere. Like this is supposed to be a very long-term high impact organization. I immediately after that stepped down, I mean, you're talking four weeks into a new organization. I stepped down as the chairperson, remained the founder and started to transition for eight months, the new chairperson who then stayed in that role for a year and a half. Then we started rolling out these transition programs. Every new leader has a six to eight month leeway before they take over the role. We documented everything we've ever done. So we have 150 page operation manuals, 30 page emergency procedure manuals. These manuals in 2000, 2001 were being used across all the schools in the big 12 after the bonfire accident to talk about risk management. So the idea was be a value add to your organization. That's an important part of a leader. But then what's more important to me, form human beings. And you can't form human beings if you treat them like kids. If you treat them like fully formed adults, if you truly give them agency, and it turns out if you know, if they know where you're going and they know what we all believe, they actually have better answers than you anyways. Or if they make mistakes, oh, thank God they make that mistake because now they're going to be better prepared to educate and mentor others. They're going to be better prepared for an even more difficult problem coming down the road. And so necessity brought me to this reckoning and I was 21 years old in the hospital. I've been using the lessons from that to coach others, to coach coaches, and to launch businesses ever since. And it's one of the reasons why I'm on three boards right now. I'm the president of two of them. I like playing that president role because I actually do probably the least amount of anybody on the board. I'm just empowering people to trust other people to do more. So it's a unique position to be in. Tons of questions going through my mind here, right? Tons. Um, so first of all, regarding carpool, are, are you still kind of helping out as far as guidance goes with that organization? No. I mean, the good news is I always get to be the founder. You can't take that from me. Yeah. No, from time to time, I do get asked to speak to oh. carpool. Um, when my schedule allows, I certainly do that. 
there's no ongoing piece to that. It's a part of my story. It's a part of the the expanse of trying to help other organizations. But no, there's not a direct tie. Other questions that that just kind of fall right into that. Did you have like a big, hairy, audacious goal for for Carpool? Is that how it started out? You're like, this is the vision for Carpool, and and we're looking at an organization, a student organization that is one of the strongest student organizations that is still surviving on the A&M campus at this point. The two big things that I said, and one came true right away. I said, this is going to be the biggest and best organization of its kind in the nation. It took about six months before the phone was ringing and we were launching watchdogs at Georgia, Ram rides at Colorado State. People were coming to us. Then we launched an umbrella organization to oversee all these sister programs, winning national awards, winning statewide awards. That happened really quickly. But the other thing I said, and I think this is so funny, I said, 20 years from now, people are still going to have this on their student ID and people are just going to think Carpool was always here. They're never going to know life before Carpool. In fact, I'm going to be speaking to Carpool members who weren't even alive when I got arrested. That's what I kept saying. Well, all that happened a couple of years ago, right? That, That ship has sailed. And I love Carpool. But I never thought about year 21, 22, or 23. So in some beautiful way, I've also kind of released it. Like maybe someday my kids are involved in carpool. Maybe not. I don't know. But I do know that I was on the phone with a young woman who had just graduated from Colorado State yesterday. And we started talking about Ram Rides. And I said, I want to tell you, the founders of Ram Rides flew down to College Station and met with me in the, the fall of 2000. And here's what we did. And it was mind-blowing to her that Carpool is an Aggie organization, but it's also for everybody. This idea that there's a higher calling that we are supposed to be, get involved with, that drunk driving is an unbiased killer, and that if you create the right organization, people want to get involved. I would, sorry, I got to share this. You'll love this. I would speak at a conference and people, I'd talk about everything we did and how we don't even pay Carpool members. They go through interview applications. They pay student dues to be there. They pay to give up their nights and weekends. And the hand would go up. Uh, You can't do that at my college. People aren't really into volunteering. And I would say, (laughs) if I went to your college, I could do it there. Like, I'm sorry to say this. You're the problem. (laughs) Um, And it's like a really kind of catty thing to say, but like people are people. The same things drive all of us. We're afraid of looking bad. We're afraid of not looking good. We're, We're afraid not just of failure, but of any failure that we're not going to be able to handle it. But if you really start breaking all these things down and you give people support, dignity, you treat them like human beings. You learn how to communicate. You learn how to communicate differently in different situations. You allow people to test themselves. You you show them what it's like to be supported in failure. Like you drive through, I like using the word drive in car, you drive through these barriers. I can't name a place on earth, or at least in America, that you couldn't create amazing opportunities for volunteer service that you couldn't connect with people on this level. I used to do these road trips. This is totally random. I used to do these road trips. I'd live out of the car. This was me trying to stay out of trouble after I got my arrest. I'd live out of the car. We'd get all of our meals for free and we would pay for gas. That was the only thing we'd pay for. We'd get our meals for free by going in and offering, can I work? Can I wash the windows? Can I take out the trash? And I was told over and over, that's great. You can't do that where I'm from. And I'd say, where are you from? Where are you from? Then I would drive there on one of my road trips, Southern California, Boston, North Carolina. And I would send like a postcard back, like just ate down the street from the house you grew up in for free at Burger King, at this restaurant, at whatever. And it turns out people are people everywhere. They're people. They want to have great conversation. A third of them make you work for your food. A third of them give you food for nothing. And a third of them tell you to go, go away. They're all the same everywhere you go. That's 66% success of of getting a full belly. So that sounds pretty good. I like those odds. (laughs) Yeah, I accidentally one time went in to just get a slice of pizza and they gave me four family meal deals and my friends were all full. I had a couple of guys in the car and I was like, guys, 
they just gave us these family meal deals. Get in here, and I don't care how bad it hurts. You're going to eat this food. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeff, as you have have just blossomed your entrepreneur, your, your prof- quote unquote professional life out of your experiences at AM and really talking um, a little bit more about Undivided Life, this new venture that, that you've just started that both you and your co-founder left successful, what, what most people would look at and see successful jobs. And now you're going to go start your own company. But the reason you do that is because you're passionate about helping and improving companies. But we have learned over and over in Aggie Growth Hacks that it is the culture of a company that really sets it apart, that allows a company to deal with challenging times, to be aligned and to have everybody going in the same direction. What is the culture? What is the values of of Undivided Life? And, and how did you come up with them? Great question. For the record, no matter when this podcast comes out, we're recording it when my company's three weeks old. While they are not written down, I can tell you that there is a concept called the vocation of the business leader. And for me personally, it's driven by the teachings of Jesus Christ and the gospel. It's it's about like how do people interact and how do you treat them and how as a business leader do you lead them? And the concepts that come from that ring true. We've already talked about some of them. One is the dignity of all human beings. So let me expand on that for a second. You should be able to have a dignity above all else, no matter what the situation is. So in my past companies, I will tell you that, of course, it's easy to treat people with dignity in the good times. I treat people with dignity when they're being terminated, when they've committed fraud and they're being terminated, you know, same day. I treat people with dignity when they're being rejected from a potential job offer with us, when they're quitting and leaving us. And so it's interesting that dignity seems to be so rare if you just break down many companies. Dignity is at the heart of all of this because it's that whole idea that undivided life helps to make business human and dignity is at the forefront. We talked about empowerment and, and giving agency to people, a word that I use that comes uh, from my faith background is subsidiarity but it's giving agency to the lowest level capable components or people within an organization, both for the sake of the organization maximizing its impact, but also for the growth of that person. Solidarity. Solidarity has to do with being in solidarity with your community as a respectable member of society. Uh, Solidarity with the poor and less uh, fortunate. Solidarity with the natural resources that you're using or wasting, you know, like making sure that you're a good steward of all of these things. Justice. Justice has to do, of course, with a little bit of the way we speak and make decisions, but it also has to do with just wages. We're laughing. We're in the middle of launching a really fun podcast called The Beatitudes, not Beatitudes, The Beatitudes. Our co-host, he's an incredible actor, professional improv comedian, Aggie. And I look at the people around him, these incredibly talented actors, and I see how many times they are not paid a just wage for something they're doing because they know people will work for less. I just don't, don't buy that. Like, let's pay a just wage for whatever anybody's doing. So those, and then I would say maybe the last of all of that is just that from a value standpoint is we're for everybody. Like we believe that everybody can advance their culture through an undivided life, a a life that recognizes the humanity of each individual person. And people need to find kind of their why and what's driving them and go deeper into that. And we just help them to unlock that so that they're they're being who they were called to be and not going to wake up when they're 65 years old regretting this career that they worked for what, you know, what did I do all those years? So when we listen to and watch this podcast months from now, my partner will be like, that's what you pick. You picked those values. So (laughs) (laughs) it'll be close enough. (laughs) Okay. So talking about undivided life, 
And we've talked about your big, hairy, audacious goal with Carpool. What is the big, hairy, audacious goal of Divided Life? We want Undivided Life to become a holding company brand and a almost operating system or a way of life so that you might have service companies or nonprofits or products and you know that you can purchase or consulting or coaching and coaching coaches and podcast media, online universities, all under this umbrella of Undivided Life. Because at the end of the day, it's industry and delivery agnostic. It's actually a concept of how you show up to others and how you connect with people. It's all about that human connection. That's right. Yeah. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for sharing your background. Thank you for sharing your story and your passion and where and where you're going to go. We're going to roll into our lightning round. But before we do that, let's pause a second for a message from this episode's sponsor. Okay, we're back. So we're in a lightning round. One rule, you've got... Uh, You've got one minute or less to answer each one of these questions. So we're going to start off with what is your favorite hack? This could be a business hack, a personal hack, technology hack. What can we learn from you? My favorite life hack is counter-cultural to hacks. If you want to do something, do that thing. You want to become a writer? Write. You want to become a public speaker? Speak. You want to become a coach? Coach. You want to become a thought leader? Give away your thoughts. And doing that thing is actually the greatest life hack because you create expertise. Expertise creates this feedback loop and that feedback loop then creates passion. The hack is you want to do it, start doing it. Love it. So kind of just do it, right? (laughs) All right. I'm not going to steal it. I'm not stealing anybody's (laughs) tagline. <laughs> Nike might come after us, right? <laughs> yeah, that was you. Chris said it. <laughs> All right, Jeff. All right, Jeff. What is the favorite bit of advice that you've ever been given and 2,000 points for how you applied it? All right. It actually goes along the same lines here. Do something, even if it's right. That doesn't make sense at first, but do something is that action beats inaction, both in figuring it out and in making progress. And if you sit around trying to worry about it, is it right or not? You're going to get into that paralysis. I will tell you that I said I wanted to be on the radio. So I started getting on the radio and I was terrible. I couldn't breathe because when you can hear yourself on the radio, you wonder when are you supposed to take a breath? That was six years ago. Now I don't even prep. I show up and I'm on live radio and then I get done and we have a lunch. Like I just did it and stopped trying to be right. And the result is now I've been having all these great guests from all over America on my show. That is so awesome. Jeff, what's your superpower? I have a golden tongue. I can connect with anyone in any situation. And without going against any of my own personal beliefs or saying something that's false or misleading, I can carry through a conversation to create true connection and accompaniment. And a lot of times, somebody who may see the world differently to me or be on a different political side than I am or whatever, by the time they realize those those details about me is too late because we've created relationship and I can do that one-on-one and I can do it on a stage just the same. And somehow that's my superpower. Love it. That's so cool. So Jeff, what gets you out of bed and excited about your new venture? I'm equally yoked with my business partner. I have a business partner who's in the same life stage of young kids. I have a business partner who we have the same kind of values and virtue-based you know, attempt at life and go to the same church. But at the same time, Our skill sets, our Venn diagrams of skill sets overlap, but he's a financial modeling strategy genius. I'm a culture speaking coaching genius, and we both know enough about each other's world that this is funny. We actually still hug every morning when we see each other. And I said, when are we not going to, like, when does that wear off that we're not hugging at the beginning of every new workday? I hope it never does. 
brothers always hug. Yeah, brothers got a hug. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> well, Jeff, how can the Aggie Growth Hacks family get in touch with you? How can we support you? And how can we learn more about hopefully working with you? Number one, find me on LinkedIn. I write content every single morning, except for Sundays. And it's been such a joy to watch that community build up in conversation. It's really neat. It's how we know each other, right? In addition to that, um, undivided.life is the website. So there's no .com in it. Undivided.life. Go there for online classes, podcasts, newsletters, blogs. See what's new in the undivided life world. And if you're in College Station, coming soon to you, one of the brands that Undivided Life owns, and we actually are signing the paperwork on the exact location, is a social sauna and cold plunge called Drip. So think of like the last decade was all this boutique fitness, like Orange Theory type fitness. And this kind of evolution is turning into a decade of boutique wellness. So infrared saunas, cold plunge, the health benefits and the social benefits. So if you're in College Station, one of the first locations of Drip, which probably threw you off. You didn't see it coming that I'm opening a social sauna. Come see us. Come hang out. I'll, I'll hang out with you and then we'll tell stories. It's like my new runner fountain. Oh, it's the social sauna. Say, is there going to be yeah. a miniature runner fountain in the front? You know? <laughs> that's right. That's right. You'll see find me out there with my little feet. In there. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> well, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on Aggie Growth Hacks. I know that I have gained a lot of knowledge just even just for these few minutes that we've been talking. And just thank you so much for coming on with us. Really appreciate that. Well, two of the most Aggied out Aggies I've ever met. So keep up the great work. Well, how about that, Ags? Was that amazing or what? I know that I took a lot away from Jeff's interview and got a lot from him. I mean, he is, like you said, and like he said, he's the most Aggie-fied Aggie out there, right? So <laughs> what was your biggest takeaway there, Greg? Well, I, I just love listening to him, just how he said his his superpower is having a golden tongue. Uh, but really what I think his superpower is, is his empathy. Yeah. And I think that that's something that in today's entrepreneurial journey that entrepreneurs are starting to hear more and more, hey, you've got, you have to be empathetic towards your uh, employees, to your customers, all that stuff. But really, what is empathy? And I think Jeff really lives out empathy. Empathy is being able to understand very quickly to have that connection with someone and then to feel what they're feeling, to be able to not hand over your beliefs or your thoughts or what you're feeling, but to be able to put yourself in their shoes and then through that process to be able to form connection, connection that's not manipulated, but connection that makes the relationship stronger, makes the relationship beneficial, makes the relationship positive for everybody involved, even though you're on vastly different political or religious or whatever extreme, you know, opposite sides of the spectrum. The fact is, is that we're all human. He talked about, you know, one of the, the things that the leader needs to do is to raise humans. And that that was really cool. And I, and I see him do that every single day. He's so genuine and passionate about that. And that's a really big challenge for me to be able to to see that and see how effective he is it and maybe to learn to do it just a little bit better. Um, what about you? What would you take away? Well, you know, he, he talked about communication and relationships a lot. And I think that was really what I took away, you know, and I wonder, is it anyone who is really strong with these student organizations? Because you're taking volunteers and you're trying to herd them all in, and make them go in, in one direction, right? So it's got to take a lot for that communication 
it's got to take a lot for those relationships that you're building. And like he said, you know, he, you need to find me and go, go to Redder Fountain, right? And yeah. I'll be there. And he's just sitting there with his feet in the water. So I, th- I think that is so cool. And I, th- that was my biggest takeaways is, is really just, you know, that communication and relationships is really what business is about. 100% agree. And no one does it better than Jeff. Yeah. Well, Ags, that's going to do it for this episode of Baggy Growth Hacks. I mean, I'm I'm just emotionally full at this point, and I hope that you, that you are as well. If you are not connected with Jeff and Undivided Life, man, y'all need to do yourself a favor. Connect with him. He's on all so, the social media platforms, but I, I see him most active on LinkedIn. So definitely connect with him there. Make sure you connect with Chris and I on LinkedIn and connect with Aggie Growth Hacks, both on Facebook, Instagram. Heck, we've got a Facebook group. We'd love to have you join us and where we would continue this conversation. Make sure that you're also looking at AggieGrowthHacks.com where you can hear this episode again. You can hear our previous episodes and some of our other amazing content. And finally, if you can just give us a big gig, I'm a big thumbs up on the podcast app that you're listening to right now. That'll allow us to get Aggie Growth Hacks out to more people so that we can expand the Aggie Growth Hacks family. We want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M University. Since 1999, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship has served as the hub of entrepreneurship for Texas A&M. If you're an Aggie entrepreneur or even a wantrepreneur, head on over to their website now to find a program that's right for you. Just go to aggiegrowthhacks.com forward slash McFerrin right now. Well, Ags, join us next time when we connect with another great Aggie entrepreneur and learn how they hack their growth. Until then, I'm Chris Hunter. And I'm Greg Martin. Thanks and gig them. Whoop.